Welcome to Sonic Artifacts, offering the best deals and interesting finds in affordable vintage music equipment across America. This week on our interview series, we sit down with Tim Marcus of Milkman Sound. Building out of San Francisco since 2011, Milkman Sound was one of the first boutique amps I personally ever saw. With an amazing line nodding to the past but built for the modern player, Tim's unique designs bring something very special to the amp world. This is your host, Brian Chalemi, signing in from Manhattan. And Tim, thank you so much for coming on the show. How are you doing today? I'm great. Thanks for having me on. Of course, man. Of course. I know you're a busy man. Uh, and like I said, I saw your amps years and years ago, and I see them all around, and they have such a great look. And I have to ask, how did the Milkman, where did that name come from? That name is like an homage to my family business, which is the milk business in Connecticut. Um, you know, my great grandfather like came over here from like Ukraine or somewhere in the late 1800s and uh, was a dairy farmer in Brooklyn. And then they moved the farm up to Connecticut. Um, and then my grandfather, you know, kind of worked there and took it over. And then my uncle and my father and all them, their generation like took it over and now it's gone, but we were all like milkmen in this family from, you know, for that many generations. So that's kind of where, and then it's just kind of convenient that like tubes or bottles and, you know, the, <laughs> yeah, the dairy true. puns kind of work with the amps and it just kind of was like a good fit. No, it's cool. It's a beautiful, uh, you know, everything's kind of white on the website. Uh, yeah, it's a very good look, man. So how did this all get started for you, building amplifiers? Um, obviously, I'm sure you mu are a musician, uh, but, you know, what were the early days here that you met tinkering? Yeah, um, you know, like most people that are musicians, then things break. You learn how to fix them and tweak things. And um, I was playing pedal steel in a band when I first moved to San Francisco, and I was always kind of like tweaking on my this twin reverb that I had. After that... Um, you know, I, I had a friend who moved in with me from Vermont and he was like, you should build an amp. And I was like, okay, let's do it. So we built one to kind of together. Like he, he kind of showed me like how to do it and how he likes to do it. And then from there, I just, I got the bug and I just started building some, well, I built a kit um, of a Tweed Deluxe, which I still have. That thing is great. And then after I built that kit, I was like, I'm going to just like from the ground up, like build an amp for pedal steel kind of based on what I was doing to my twin reverb. And um, so, yeah, I think it was like during the Super Bowl in 2011 or 2010 or something. <laughs> I don't even remember when I did it, but I remember it was during the Super Bowl because that's like, you know, when I, everybody was, was distracted and I had some quiet to myself. So... I just kind of figured it out and and that's where I, when I built the first one. Oh wow, was that like a 112 or what was the what was the deal? Um I always designed it to be a 115. That was mm. like the first the first concept of the pedal steel amplifier was like 100 or 85 to 100 watts into a 15-inch speaker. And I wanted it to be light, so I was like kind of finding these neo magnet speakers which Back then, there weren't. They were still kind of figuring out how to make them good, um, and they, they, some of them were, some of them weren't. But I eventually found some really good ones. I don't know. The guitar players are kind of like, maybe they're starting to now get into the neo speakers more than they were. But back then, there was like a 
fear of neo speakers, the neodymium magnets, because of the shrill, awful ones that came out like in the late nineties. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. compared to <laughs> ceramic and Alnico, they just they were never as good. But now they're really good. the The technology's really gotten better for guitar. Oh. Um, that's cool. So don't don't fear them anymore. You know, there there's some pretty good ones out there. That's good to know. And especially uh, for your back, like you said, light is the way to go. It's like the modern, the modern way here. We're not lugging around these dinosaurs anymore. Yeah. Um, are you, are you know, are you a pedal steel player yourself or how, how did you specifically start with the, the pedal steel goal? Yeah, that's why I, I am a pedal steel player. So that's why I kind of noticed that, you know, guitar players have had boutique amps forever since, you know, the seventies. But uh, there was not really any boutique amplifiers for pedal steel players. Um, not at that time, anyways. So that, I was kind of like, well, I guess I'll just make one, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. thinking this will yeah. be easy. <laughs> and then uh, it was like not super easy. But in the beginning, that's all I did was I would just make like, you know, five or 10 of these a year. And that was that was it. Um, and I did that for a couple of years. And then someone, one of my customers, well, he wasn't a customer, but he was really like kind of pushing me to design a guitar amplifier that kind of had the same attributes as the pedal steel amplifier, which was like, you know, small and light and have good sounding uh, clean sound. Um, which is something I realized when I started that a lot of amplifiers are kind of designed to like overdrive and, mm-hmm. and stuff, but the clean sound would be kind of thin and lacking. So I was always kind of really focused on making the clean sound as full and kind of like juice it up as much as I could and not really worry about the overdrive because everyone uses pedals now anyways. So I could try to get as much headroom and clean tone as like, uh, well, now they call them like a pedal platform. Right. Um, So um, I was kind of going in that direction you know, let people use their drive pedals and keep the amps clean. Mm -hmm. So really starting with the twin, which is obviously, we know is a very clean amplifier. Um, And I know a lot of pedal steel players use like PVs, I believe. Yeah. Kind of solid state sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. The Nashville 400 or. Right. So taking that kind of, again, again, really high, clean headroom. And I think of surf as well, you know, Dick Dale, um, you know, really just how do you get that sound without the compression and that distortion that so many guitar players love, but again, pedal steel, you want that clean and also country players want it clean as well. Yeah. Like, uh, Don Rich, that tone Garcia, Jerry Garcia, that whole lineage of that, like clean guitar tone that goes all the way back, which is like a Fender amplifier and a guitar and not much else. Which also another clean player, you know, John Mayer, I saw on your website, you know, is quoted, just got one of the best new amps I've ever heard in a long time. So, you know, so, someone of that stature, especially is, you know, kind of tone guru levels at this point on the internet. Uh, yeah, that's, you know, that's, old, pretty that's cool. an old quote. <laughs> that okay. was like, he's, that was when I, I first sold him an amp in like November of 2014. And he was mm-hmm. kind of get into, getting into some of the Garcia stuff and bought some of my... Uh, pedal steel he's bought like a bunch of stuff for me but it started out with the pedal steel amplifier and he wanted it not as a 15 inch combo but he he wanted it as two 12s in a cab with a head on top and now that's like 
most of the people who order that amplifier are guitar players and they order it, you know, the John Mayer way on a 212 cabinet. That's cool. I mean, that's a, that's a great endorsement right there yeah. for sure. Uh, and, 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 and taking the, you know, going from the, how different is a pedal steel amplifier than a guitar amplifier circuit wise? Like how much of a change did you have to really go through? Uh, well, I really just wanted to, I was just going for like the clean sound, you know? So the first thing I do, like most Fender amps are two channels. Um, so the thing you'll notice about Milkman is that like everything's one channel. And it's to, to my ear, it just sounds better that way. Not having the other channel kind of loading down everything, but it adds a lot of gain if you do that. So you got to kind of go in and like maximize the headroom. So that's kind of like the, the common thread between all the amps is like, they're all single channel and then they're all kind of, maximizing the as much headroom as I can get. So they don't really start to break up until they, until the output, once you really push, it. I mean, mm -hmm. there's some low wattage amp stuff I make that saturates and breaks up a lot more, but as far as like right. 20 Watts and over th there's that common idea that I'm trying to get the single channel richness and maximize the amount of, um, headroom you get before it starts to break up and then when it does break up you want it to be like very pleasant and not extreme like you're never going to get like the gent like high gain sound out of any milkman amplifier it's just not going to happen and not without a pedal right well like i said the pedal platform so you know it's again six l sixes six v sixes uh to to achieve that yes yeah and then i really like 5881s that's kind of like okay. the the perfect tube, I think, because it's has some kind of six v six like properties, especially in that it can it really plays well with a smaller transformer, but um, you know, it has the a little more power like a six l six. So in my in my personal creamer, I have some like old school Tungsol fifty eight eighty ones that uh will probably live longer than me they're like military spec like crazy they have these extra mica structures and they're just an unbelievable tube that has you know they were designed for something in the military so they just they couldn't fail right even explosions going off fires yeah, exactly. you know all that kind of stuff <laughs> crazy yeah the, the captain of the ship goes down and the 5881s yeah. Like still going. that's awesome man and you offer i noticed you know you do list obviously the weight and all that stuff which is always super impressive you know 20 pounds 30 pounds this is what people want to see uh but you also offer a variety of speakers um but it's obviously i'm sure those are selected in advance by you as to what sounds great with that particular amplifier yeah i try to curate it down to just a few options but you know if somebody has a speaker that they really like um, I've been known to build an amp and then have people send me their speaker and I'll build the amp around it. Oh, wow. That usually happens when people have like a JBL speaker or something that they had reconed and they can send it to me. I, I just put a, a rig together for some guy who bought one of my amp pedals and then he bought a cabinet and then he wanted me to put uh, like a fresh reconed JBL D120 in it, which I did. So he sent me, he had the speaker sent to me and I put it all together and 
that was like a killer rig. I, I played that thing. I cranked it with a strat and I, like, I got a notification on my phone that the glass break sensor on the alarm like, was set off. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, and, it wow. like, and it was like clean, you know, that was like the cleanest, loudest thing. <laughs> wow. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. So, yeah. So you'd still do custom jobs like that in that sense. How many uh, people are part of the team? Uh, there's me. There's Chris who works with me, who does a lot of cabinet stuff. Um, and he builds pedals and he, he's kind of like an everything. He does a lot. Um, and then, you know, helps me like packing and shipping. And so I'm mostly like wiring up chassis and, you know, doing that and then running the business side of it. And then, so that's the San Francisco side of the business. And then my friend, John Erickson from Tonecraft Audio, him and I have like another part of Milkman are like the pedals. So John and I work on the pedal, like the amp pedals and the F-stop and the pop top. Like a lot of that um, it is like kind of John's territory. So he's kind of, he and I both kind of have like some pro audio history. And uh, so he's like, oh, I have this great design for a discrete op amp. Like, I was like, great, let's make a boost pedal out of it. And he's like, great. And then he kind of does all the, like the design and stuff for that and helps with the production. And then the amp pedal, he did all the design and production for that. But that the amp pedal kind of was based on another product that we worked on together, which was my bass half and half amplifier, which I'd been doing kind of by myself. But he was like, why don't you like let me, you know, see what I can do, show you what I can do, you know? <laughs> so I like, I sent it to him and he like made it into like a real like viable product. And I was like, that's great. Let's make a pedal. Let's make it, let's do it in a pedal. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. So if you could tell our listeners out there, if they're, they're not sure what we're talking about, the amp, uh, you know, looks like a pedal, but it's actually an amplifier. Like you're saying, can you, can you describe that? Yeah. The amp. So the, I, ha I was making this amp called the half and half, which is a hand wired tube front end like sometimes with reverb sometimes the bass version doesn't have reverb and it's got a class d power amplifier and i think around like 2017 they came out with like a really small version of that class d amplifier and that's when john and i started like kind of putting together the amp pedal which is basically it's got a tube preamp that runs like full voltage like i think it's like 250 volts and um that's the preamp. So you get like the tube interaction with the guitar and the EQ and everything is all tube. And then it kind of goes into the class D power amp, which is this 50 watt. Well, well there's the amp, the 50 watt, and then there's a hundred watt. And mm -hmm. basically like that just kind of scales it up into a loud thing that'll power a speaker. And then there's really nice um, VCA tremolo, which is, so, kind of feels and sounds like bias tremolo, but it's actually done with a VCA, which is another one of John's like pro audio, like things from that background. And then there's a digital reverb circuit that kind of works in like a loop. So it's the signal, the guitar signal never really gets digitized. It's always analog and the reverb, the digital reverb kind of mixes back in, but that reverb was designed uh, by Robert Keeley. And it's like, he just absolutely nailed the spring tank, you know, 
So amazing. You just totally, it just sounds like a little, like the idea was to make something like a deluxe reverb in a pedal that felt like a deluxe reverb had the power of a deluxe reverb. And, um, what, cause you know, the ultimate backline amp for most guitar players, usually they, at least for me, when I travel somewhere to play pedal steel, like I'll be like, just put a deluxe reverb. I know, I know what it's going to do. It's going to be pretty good. Right. Um, and then the other thing about the amp pedal is like, you could plug it in anywhere. So it's got that universal power input. So for people that fly and do international or, you know, go between different European countries with different voltages, like it just works wherever you plug it in. That's amazing. I mean, like you said, it's like a, pedal size you could fit in a bag and you just bring a speaker cabinet or plug into the cabinet that's there yeah uh, to get or just run direct a lot of a lot of people use it and run direct now they don't even use the cabinet oh wow and it sounds better i mean this is like me kind of log rolling i guess but i think it sounds better than modeling amps just because it's it's actually analog so like you can hit the thing with a fuzz pedal or something and it's it's real <laughs> you know it's not right right there's no you know, modeling or digital anything really. It's just kind of, you can hit it with a boost pedal and it'll break up the tube just like any other amp would. Right. And it's got like a 12X7? Yeah, single 12X7. And uh, no menu system. No, that's what I really wanted when we designed this thing to make it just so simple that it was like comical. Like I wanted to be comically simple. If I could have just had one knob, you know i could have right we, we ended up with like kind of a bare minimum of knobs and um yeah and i that thing it's great i mean i i personally gig with that thing more than any other amp i make yeah i mean with the headphone jack even at home and then at a price point of like 749 i mean this is pretty amazing it's a lot of amp for that money yeah because uh, you know for sure Cause it's like a, it's a, it's a real, it's a real thing. You know, I don't know. I I'm, I'm very like proud of it. That's, you know, my, my contribution to like the gear world, you know, I feel like we really nailed it with that one. And then the amp 100 is similar. It's kind of, that's kind of the more he high headroomy, high power version. And, um, I thought, when I first came out with that, that like the num usually guitar players are like scared. This is like a weird theory. They're scared of the number 100 <laughs> <laughs> because it's just like a hundred Watts. No way. But it's like, you know, then you realize that it's not about the power. It's about the headroom. Right. And, uh, right especially right. when you're using a lot of pedals and stuff, like you might, you might like that number 100 after a while. But I know I'm scared of that number 100. You know, I used to be like a front of house sound <laughs> engineer. And someone, if a guitar player was wheeling in a twin reverb, I was like, uh-oh. Like, uh -oh, that's louder yeah. than the PA at this club. Right. Oh, my God. Yeah, for sure. You know, the, I mean, I feel like people don't really bring half stacks anymore. But that was definitely like an early, up until the mid-aughts, I guess. Oh, yeah. I used, to, I used to play at the Lion's Den in New York. And the, the backline amp was like a Marshall stack. I don't know if you've ever been. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was no. like a four by twelve with like a you know MOSFET Marshall head on it or something. Just so overkill for that tiny little place. Yeah, no. All in New York in the early two thousands, it was all like JCM two thousands and like a four twelve cabinet. It was like yeah, I'd have two of them at every get every play. Yeah, <laughs> like not everyone's a metal band, dude. You know that? I know. It's like, 
<laughs> yeah, I used to work in. I, I I mean, my bands when I lived on the East Coast would play in New York a lot, and then um, when I moved from Vermont, I worked as a sound engineer in New York for about a year. And yeah, all the backline stuff was just silly. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. So this uh, this kind of stuff, I mean, uh, it's great for you know someone who doesn't want to break their back, but this is also amazing for people that have to gig. You know, just jumping in a cab. I know. know. I wish I had this when I lived in New York. It was. It would have for been sure. a real because I had a twin. Because <laughs> I was for pedal steel and stuff, but yeah, so I would have much rather just plugged into a PA system with with one of those and and saved my my body from unnecessary destruction. You know. Yeah. So how did you and how did you and John link up, and when did it become like officially you know a company? You know, you said you do some runs of some amps, but obviously there's a big step to getting you know the branding and everything together uh so let's see i so i started milkman in 2011 and then john i met him oh geez we we i went to san diego to do this like event with bob taylor and john was there and he's like before the event he like messaged me on facebook was like hey man like i'll pick you up from the airport hey I, we're from the same hometown it turns out we both are originally from oh. westport connecticut so oh, we wow. had this kind of bond immediately as being from Westport. Like just, you know, we both grew oh. up in this town in Connecticut during like a certain time and uh, had a similar kind of childhood because of that. And we really just kind of got along and, you know, that was, God, when was that? 2015, maybe 2016, somewhere around there. So yeah, like Milkman is one company, but it's really like, kind of like two companies because there's the hand wired stuff which i do mostly by myself and with chris and then there's like the pedals and the amp pedals and stuff and that i do with john but he's in san diego you know he's he's not like you know so a lot of the stuff is just kind of sending things back and forth up and down california right because you do the pop top boost pedal, the f stop pedal, yeah, um, yep. and and you have a and you have a uh, the milkman. You did a collab with JHS, yeah. So that one, that JHS makes those. That was just this kind of like like idea that I had, and like Josh, a couple of months later, like sent me like a video of him like with a breadboard. <laughs> you know, you know, I don't know if you know Josh Scott, but he's all about the breadboard, and he like had this huge breadboard, and he's like, dude, I I did it, I built it we're going to make it. And I was like, cool. So next thing, next year at the NAM show, like you had this pedal and it's, it's really good, but I don't actually make it or do have anything to do with it. I just had the idea. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gotcha. So he didn't ask for like how the circuit works or anything. No, he just kind of came up. I literally was oh, like wow. on the way home from NAM one year, like, wouldn't this be cool? And then the next year at NAM, like he announced it and we were doing it. It was a thing <laughs> that that was the easiest thing I've ever done. <laughs> you had an idea and the next year it was just there. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. I wish all things worked out like that. I know. You know? Like I have, yeah, I try, <laughs> like, you know, um, yeah, I, I, it, it was like manifestation or something, you know, but he did all the work. It didn't just come out of nowhere. Right, right. No, man, that's awesome. That's really cool. I mean, it looks great. Obviously, in line, it's got the uh, six pack of milk on the on the cover. Yeah, my mother's side of the family had a dairy farm in upstate New York, and Max, my co-host, is actually from like Fair. I think it's like Fairfield, Connecticut. That's so where my mom grew up. 
Oh, wow. Wow. That's cool. That's very cool. Man. Yeah, we could have had a real, we could have just derailed into Connecticut stuff. Connecticut. <laughs> no, 100%. Oh, man. If he like grew up in Fairfield, he probably grew up drinking Marcus Milk. Oh, oh, oh man. This is going to, I got to talk to him about this. Because we, and then we delivered milk into New York City too. So depending on how long you live oh, there. Wow. I mean, I remember like after 9-11, they were like, you know, we were still like bring. We were like some of the only vehicles they would let in because milk was like an emergency commodity. So they're like, milk trucks are allowed in. <laughs> you know, no <laughs> oh, other wow. trucks. Like milk and gas. Like that was like just and ambulances. Like, yeah, yeah ambulances, <laughs> milk, crazy. and yeah. gasoline could come in. <laughs> no one else. Oh man. So what about these? Uh, the he- the high headroom. Uh, you know, the pop top boost here. What's up with these? With that, the pop top boost is basically designed around this um discrete op amp which if you Mm. are into like you know recording and stuff like the api consoles and a lot of american consoles in the 1970s had these in them um like you know for example like a neve board had its own kind of little gain circuit but api designed this discrete op amp so an op amp you know like all all pedals and all Anything that plays music generally will have op amps in them, except for, you know, a tube amp, but anything solid state. Um, but the discrete op amp is like, you know, it's pretty big. It's like an inch by an inch. It's a big honking chip made out of individual parts. So rather than an op amp being made by like a chip company in a factory and it's made out of just one piece of silicon that does everything, it's actually made out of a bunch of different transistors and caps and resistors and things and then it has there's a standard pinout for it and the the cool thing about them is they run at a really high voltage um i think ours is plus minus 18 volts which is 36 Mm -hmm. volts so you get 36 volts of headroom which is a lot (laughs) you know for a little teeny weeny guitar signal you can really you can really put a lot through that thing before it's going to interfere with your signal at all like i think a tube has like you know maybe like a volt or two of headroom in comparison you know so you can really just do a lot with this thing it's pretty it's pretty sweet but it's like you know it's in that kind of like always on category um and which is why i have it so you can when you have the knob turned down all the way it's just like unity gain so you can turn it down all the way and turn it on. You can kind of hear the sound of the op amp. And then you can actually like put in, if you have vintage discrete op amps, you can put them in because they're all standardized. So it'll fire up any discrete op amp. And there's, you know, the API 2520s out there, or there's like a Jensen version, or there's companies that make mm-hmm. their own for audio consoles. And, you know, you can, you can just find them out there and, they all sound a little bit different. You know, I think some of them kind of have like more of like a woolly sound than others. And the one that we, the Milkman op amp is based on a op amp from a sphere recording console, which I'd never heard of <laughs> to be honest with you. Mm. But John was <laughs> like, this thing's really cool. You're going to like it. And yeah, I definitely do. It's a little, it's different than the API style a little bit, but man, I think that thing just sounds like, great um and it'll it'll power a speaker it's got so much freaking 
juice in it, you know, <laughs> you run it off of, yeah, you can literally plug it in. You can plug the pedal into like a speaker and you can, it'll power it. Oh, wow. Not super loud, but you know. Right. It'll do it. That's pretty cool. So it's like, I mean, you have here, it's like ranging from a 30 dB clean boost unity gain buffer with mid range focusing detail or line driver. So, so it's a serious clean boost at that yeah, point. Yeah. The line driver part of it is pretty cool too. Cause the way that um, op amp works, it just dumps out like a super fat, low impedance signal that will just go. So I think Andy mm. from, um, what's his last name? You know, Andy was a review guy. He, he was Andy from, was it like pro guitar shop or whatever? But you know, the guy was in Portland with the curly hair. He's got a, he's got a demo of the pop top and it's like, he's got a hundred foot guitar cable going into an amp. And, and then he, it's, it sounds pretty bad. And then he turns the pop top on and it sounds like amazing because it's driving the hundred feet of cable <laughs> and, uh, and then he turns it off. Like he's the only one who like understood like what we were going for with that in his demo video. So, right, yeah, because everyone's like, "Don't use the cable over twenty five feet." Yeah, but the hundred foot guitar tape cable powered by the pop top, you know, it does the job for that kind of thing. Yeah, that's another. Uh, just circling back to the amp pedal, having an amplifier on the ground, like right next to you, and then so you your pedal board or if it's part of your pedal board or it's like you know a foot away from your pedal board is way better because you're running a short little cable to it and then you can run you can run speaker cables like hundreds and hundreds of feet with really no degradation but you cannot run a guitar cable that long so a lot of people play and then they have their amp behind them and they have like a pretty long cord going and that's just like a tone catastrophe like waiting to happen it's just it just drops all the high frequencies and because you're running like a high impedance signal, like really far, which is not a great idea. So the nice thing about the amp pedal is you can have the amp, you know, up where you're standing and playing, and then you just run a really long speaker cable to this cabinet behind you. And it's, it's night and day difference. That's a, that's a really good point. <laughs> yeah. And then I see people and they message me with a rig and their amp pedals in the back. I'm like, what are you doing? Move it closer <laughs> to you. <laughs> You're missing like the benefit of the whole thing, which is you don't have to run a super long cable. Oh man. So uh, you have John and then you also mentioned Chris. Yeah. Chris is, has been working with me since uh, he's been with me for like seven years, I think just about. And he was, he was kind of part-time at the beginning and he would come in and help me like make turret boards and, things like that and do some soldering and assembly and help me just like, you know, organize. And, and, but now he's doing a lot of the Walnut cabinets that we build. Um, the Chris is doing that, like just at the shop now and all the fabric stuff too. He's kind of figured that out. Um, I used to I was gonna say you, you offer so many different looks. It's amazing. Yeah. That's kind of what, how I started out. I started out, doing just one color and then everyone wanted everything else. I was like, fine, let's just, we're just going to make them all. We're going to make any finish of any kind all the time. Like I'm not going to do them in batches. I'm not going to do them like special editions or anything. It's like, if you see something, we'll make it, you know, we'll make, we'll, so 
I always just kind of try to refer people to the Instagram page where they can look at all the different crazy things. And I try to take pictures of as many as I can just to get them up there for people. Cause I have like a custom shop page on my website. That's got like eight or nine different finishes, but that's just like the beginning of like, that's just like the surface of the rabbit hole that you're about to fall into <laughs> <laughs> once you get into like the Instagram page and you see the different fabrics and like the hardwoods and, and we have a lot of stuff like in the pipeline that we're going to be working on. That's going to like be even more extreme into the, you know, aesthetic rabbit hole. But yeah, I just did shell pink. That was oh, something cool. I was looking for shell pink Tolex for like ev- forever. I could never find it. And then I finally found it. It was like 10 years in the making. Oh wow, that's awesome. That's so cool. Did someone order? Or you you just been looking and then I was looking and I kind of mentioned it to uh one of the cabinet shops that I work with and he's like, "Oh, I think I think we have something that'll do it." And I was like, "Fine, let's build one. Let's check it out." And then mm-hmm. I got it and it was like, "Yep. That's shell pink." So, not hot pink, you know? Like they always make hot pink Tolex and that's just like a little that's a little too much for me. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, you're trying to get that, I think, you know, that Fender. Exactly. Fender color color. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I have like the Sonic blue kind of and the surf green. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the pink was like the, really the color that was missing. That's what I hear is that's the hardest uh, color to photograph on a guitar as well. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Luckily for me, the floor of my shop is like gray. So I just click the mm. color balancing <laughs> dropper on that you know you can't use a phone to do it you got to do it with a real camera and color balance it because yeah i noticed i was sending it to people like a picture i took my phone it just looked like gross like band-aid color I was like no that's it's <laughs> <laughs> not it <laughs> yeah your phone probably automatically makes that pink it's probably because like blotchy skinned people or whatever like don't want that it's so there might be some like you know, software in your phone that takes the pink and turns it into flesh color. Right. <laughs> it's possible. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure that's what it is. At least on the, on the iPhone, like it's not like a true, it's not like one picture is like, you know, so a bunch of different pictures composited together and there's some sort of algorithm and whatever to make it all good. And, uh, right. Make it look nice for their, for our eye. Yeah. And I know like, you know, people sometimes look pink in pictures and they, you know, I bet they're correcting for that. And it, anyways, you gotta use a real camera. Right. Right. And I mean, you have a great website, man. It's very cool. So you can just go on and, and, uh, just order the products directly right from the website here. Some of or them to find a dealer, some of them. Yeah. yeah. Otherwise you have to go I to had dealer. to yeah. kind of like nuke the website. I think about a year ago I was whenever the two. So when the war in Ukraine started, there was like a major freak out about tubes. And, and that's when I kind of turned my website off because people were ordering. St- I used to sell like tubes on the website too. And I was, and people oh. were ordering tubes and I was like, wait, 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 I don't know if I'm going to like get any more tubes. So, <laughs> so the, I had to kind of like shut it down and then, because of that and then there was like another supply chain issue with speakers and then with hardwoods and like you name it it was scarce like you know in 2021 and 2022 so i just started getting like a really long 
log jam or a big log jam of orders. So I kind of turned off all of the, any amp that's not a pedal. Um, I just like kind of made it so you can't just click and buy it anymore. So yeah, people have to kind of go and email me and then I'll take a deposit. Um, cause you know, I was feeling kind of bad. Like people would order a creamer and then like seven months later it would be ready. <laughs> you know? So it's like, that's not really fair. So I feel much better like taking a deposit and holding spaces for people on my schedule and churning through it. It's still, it's still, I don't know if it's quite seven months now. I think I've, I've really like made up some ground, but the wait is, you know, still pretty long. Um, and it's just you built actually building the tube amps. Yeah. That's part of the log jam. <laughs> so right. You got to wait for <laughs> me to do it. And I, you know, I try to do, you know, between five and seven a week. So, Oh, wow. Yeah. Depending on what they are, but then something will come down the pike, like those reverb tanks with the harmonic tremolo and, that thing takes me a long time to build, you know? So like, I'll have a week where I have, I have to build a couple of those and it's like, well, that can't build, can't do, you just can't do it fast. You know, it's just too many, too many things you got to do. Right. And also the, uh, the HT 15 with the harmonic tremolo, that thing takes like mm-hmm. a lot of time to build. Yeah. I mean, it's funny because I would think the the reverb unit would be one of the easier things to build. Yeah, but I had to put the harmonic tremolo in it, and like that circuit is just a beast. Right. I take my tremolo circuits like very seriously and always have. Um, that's that's another thing that I I kind of from the beginning I was like I'll build an amp with tremolo, but it has to be like really good tremolo. Like I'm not going to use the light bug circuit. Like I really actually really don't like that sound of that tremolo and the what and then also that kind of has some negative effects on the amplifier too a princeton reverb for example has like kind of like a bias tremolo but my creamer amp which is based on the princeton doesn't have that same kind of bias so i had really early on that was like the big holdup was like i couldn't get the tremolo to work on the creamer you know because it was so it I was trying to combine the Princeton reverb and the deluxe reverb and the deluxe, the Tweed deluxe, excuse me. So the Tweed deluxe back half was not compatible with the Princeton tremolo. And then I just kind of figured it out one day. Um, But yeah, I had like a whole bunch of prototypes where I had extra tubes and whatever. But once I got that tremolo sound and I was like, that's the tremolo, then I, every amp that has tremolo has like really good tremolo. And that was, also had to extend into the amp pedal because I was like, I can't have this amp pedal and have like the tremolo, like not be as good (laughs) as the other tremolos because I just love tremolo. It's such a great effect. It's so simple yet. It's like so musical. Um, And then the harmonic tremolo, I spent like five or six years, like getting totally dialed. Can you tell our audience what the difference between uh, a regular tremolo and harmonic tremolo? Yeah. uh, So regular tremolo is just kind of, you know, like turning volume up and down, but there's different ways to do it. And, you know, the, the better of the fender tremolos is like that bias tremolo, in my opinion, uh, versus the light bug tremolo. So fender kind of in the later sixties kind of switched everything over to amps that had reverb in them. And if they had tremolo, they had that kind of was like, "Eh, eh, eh." you know, not, not the most musical tremolo, but it was easy and it worked and it, 
I had like a little like photo cell that, you know, chopped up your signal and that was the tremolo. But before that they had uh bias tremolo, which was much more smooth. And like kind of in the middle, they got super weird in like the early sixties and they had what people call harmonic tremolo, which is basically there's like another, there's a second tone stack like in the middle of the amplifier and they, they use a tremolo signal or like an oscillator and then they use a phase inverter and they like, it'd be like having someone stand there and turn your treble and bass knobs like opposite of each other. Um, so while one is going up, the other is going down and they go opposite and the effect when you speed it up a little bit is it sounds like vibrato but it doesn't right. really sound like vibrato it's it's just kind of its own unique thing um and so people call it harmonic tremolo it's and it's when it's good it's so good you know but when it's bad it just sounds like tremolo and a lot of those early fender amps um the harmonic tremolo didn't work um like i got i got a what did i get i bought one a pro from somebody and the harmonic tremolo didn't sound like harmonic tremolo. And I found like a bad capacitor and I replaced it. And then all of a sudden it was doing the thing. <laughs> it's like, yes. Oh, wow. <laughs> but so these are the brown and blonde the brown uh, ones one. right before yeah. the black face. Like, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Before, yeah. Before reverb and like after like kind of tweed stuff. Right. Just that it was just only a year or two. I think they're 62, three. Yes. Yeah. And I bought a, I bought a couple kind of from that era too get the tremolo but the way fender did that tremolo they they use some of them there's like five triodes and then some of them they tried it with four and the four triode one that they were doing was not very good and the five triode one wastes half a tube right so because the, there's two per tube so there was like a 12x7 in the middle of it and it also also has a cathode follower in it and the whole thing is just super wacky and it's a huge circuit. And so what I spent my six years doing was like refining that circuit down to where I could just get it to be better with just the four triodes. And that took me a long time of just kind of slowly experimenting and going through it. There's really no math or formula you can use. You just gotta, you know, you just got to dig in and just start replacing parts and trying it, like let it sit for a couple of weeks and come back to it and just kind of tweak it and figure it out. Um, and then also like to put that in the middle of an amplifier is tricky because it's like, it's got its own tone stack. So you have like a, you know, so you, my amps that have harmonic tremolo have like a double mid scoop. So you got to voice the first mid scoop, the one you can actually adjust. You got to like compensate for it. Because you know you got that second one down the line with the um, harmonic tremolo, and <laughs> it's uh, it's just wacky. It's like it's that HT15 amp and that reverb with harmonic tremolo. Like that's just you have to be kind of like a Fender like nerd and junkie to even like <laughs> you know to be like I'm going to spend this amount of money to get this tremolo circuit, <laughs> you know. But at least you know that it's like. You know, at least as compared to my vintage brown fenders, like the harmonic tremolo that I came up with is way more harmonic-y, if that's a word. <laughs> it's like way juicier and deeper and, you know, and it works every time. 
Well, that's awesome. Well, I appreciate the effort, man. I mean, like not a lot of amps come with that, that type of tremolo and not all tremolos, like you said, are made equal. Yeah, they're not. Yeah. Sorry. That was like a long mm-hmm. tremolo. Uh, no, please. Road we just went down. It's an underrated effect, and you know it is kind of the first guitar effect. I, I think it's the first guitar effect. It's one of them, yeah, for sure. Because amps always had it built in. Um, even like even tweed amps had it in the fifties. My friend has a Dan Electro amp from like fifty five, and it has built on tre- built in tremolo. Yeah, and it's probably good because the early tremolos were were really good. Yeah, it sounds really amazing. I remember hearing a story about Bo Diddley making his own tremolo unit in like the mid fifties. Yeah, probably. Yeah, and uh, didn't Johnny Greenwood from Radiohead? And he built like a tremolo pedal that's all over the bends. <laughs> you can. It's like a, easy, easy to do, and uh, you know, fun. I'm looking at your 700 watt bass half and half, and just uh, you know, for me to have a bass amplifier that's 700 watts and only 12 pounds, uh you know, and it looked the way it looks, which like kind of like a little mini Fender head. It's so cool. I, like, uh, I'm really surprised. I don't see more of these out in the wilds gigging and especially with the price point as well. Cause this is so small and light and like so much power. How do you even do that? Uh, it's, again, it's just like one of those class D power amplifiers in there. So it's like super powerful and light and there's not, those amps are actually, uh, hand wired just like everything else. So that's kind of like the secret to the to the half pint. I mean, the half and half. And I make a steel guitar version as well, but it's basically wired just like any other one of my amps. So like you know, every it's got the same cloth covered wire, and the pots are the same, and everything's like big and chunky and kind of like unbreakable. And then it just dumps into this Class D power amp, but it's not. You know, I think a lot of people make a hybrid bass amp and it's kind of the tube is kind of like an afterthought where you can kind of blend it in or you know or there's like it's not part of the preamp and for good reason because tubes don't have a ton of headroom so i could see why bass players like might not want them there but for those that do (laughs) this amp has (laughs) this amp has everything going through the tube running like at high voltage and like in its little discrete little world of big capacitors and whatever and goes into the class d so it's like the result is just it's really good i mean it's 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 not going to be like an svt with it with you know that kind of power and that that many tubes but for a little 12 head pound like head that you can easily bring with you wherever you go <laughs> like it's pretty good it sounds great with guitar too yeah, you can actually, and it has that really good DI too. So a lot, I have customers that use it for bass and then also use it for guitar and then use it for recording mm-hmm. too, because you can kind of take just the DI out and, and run it. And that, that predated the amp pedal. But that, that was kind of one of the amplifiers that gave me the kind of idea to make a pedal version because the way mm-hmm. people were using that half and half was, was kind of like that and it had the switchable line voltage too so i was getting just that bass amp was like getting close and then a lot of people are like oh can you make an amp pedal for bass and i usually just say you you don't want that (laughs) you want you want the 700 watt amp because you need like 
as much power as you can get for bass if you really want to get the the deepness mm-hmm. yeah no you need a lot of power to to get that low end for sure it, man. i know it's it's crazy how much it takes that's why guitar amps like you know a bass player is playing with his like 2000 watt like you know tiny little head and it's just 2000 watts and the guitar player is like <laughs> blowing him out of the water with like what? a princeton and it's like yeah because the princeton's just mid-range it's not there's nothing there's not it's not doesn't have to move that much air you know so it just doesn't take as much power to get as loud um and also the princeton's probably breaking up a little bit and with the bass you, you don't generally get that from a solid state amp at least i don't even think that i don't think that happened i don't think mine breaks up either i mean I've never tried like really playing it with all the knobs turned up to 10, you know, cause that's like a suicide <laughs> mission, but I think your head yeah, breaks up watts. at that volume before anything else does. Seriously, seriously. Well, no, it's so cool, man. Cause it's like, you know, I'm always, people are always asking like, what do I get for, you know, for bass and nobody wants to get these like weird, ugly rack things. And then yeah. the old amps are so heavy, you know, it's like this whole, it's the problem. So I'm looking at this and I'm like, at this price point, at this size, this weight. Uh, and you know, like you said, it, you know, it's, there's a tube in there, it's hand wired. You're, I, I feel like, uh, this amp is pretty freaking amazing in terms of what we're doing with the modern world here. <laughs> I, well, well, thanks. I, I think it's it's pretty convenient. You know, you get the DI, you can run like yeah. a two ohm or four ohm or eight ohm cab out of it, um, which pretty much covers all the base cabs. Yeah, I mean, again, in your line, I mean, you, you go all the way from a one watt, five watt, 10, 15, 20, 30, 40, you know, 50, 85, 300, 700. I mean, you've, you've cut all. <laughs> Of all, all the options that anybody needs, man, you're, you're There's providing nothing left. here. It's what, what awesome. I do? I There's nothing left. Start doing even numbers. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Right. Thirty-five watts. Why not? You know. But uh, half. So Thirty-five and a half. Yeah. Watts. There you go. That's yeah. I did see. Uh, we've had this company Stringjoy on the show, and they they started making half gauge like ten point fives. Oh, uh, strings. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh wow. I guess I was like, where do you go with Morty with strings? And I'm like, oh, that. I guess that's an option. You know, you start doing half sizes. But anyway, man, uh, beautiful amplifiers, dude. And I'm I'm just kind of blown away that it's really just you putting this together, man. Like I said, I see your amps all around, and you know, in stores, and obviously you have a ton of dealers, and your website is super pro, and you know, tons of reviews online, and just a you know, awesome company, man. So it's kind of amazing you you have so much output um, with just such a small team. Yeah, we just like to, you know, get 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 it done. I guess I don't know. Like I just, yeah. I really, no, I still it's enjoy. Done. <laughs> I enjoy building the amps, and you know, every day I kind of have like a flow to my day, and usually from like ten to like about three thirty, I'm just like sitting there like wiring up amps, and I just love it, and I love playing out of them too. That's the best part. I still get the like kind of right. thrill when you turn it on for the first time. And plug a guitar in and just get to play guitar. That's all I wanted to do was just like play guitar every day. This is just a thing that like enabled me to do that, you know. Was there a certain guitar that you test everything out with, like a constant? No, I have like a. Um, have you seen those? Like I think it's DSR. Is that what Doug calls it? There's like Doug Cower like guitar rack things. I have one of those set up. There's a bunch of different guitars. Oh yeah, you mean I know I know Doug Doug's racks. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Those things. They're 
uh, he made me like a special one that's guitars on top and then it's it fits all my pedal steels on the bottom it's like oh wow oh that's yeah that's cool so that's i got like the like storage space in the bottom for steel guitars and then i can fit however many guitars on top and it's pretty full and there's like a bass and i like to really test when i put amps together sometimes i'll test them with my baritone guitar just so i can really make sure things aren't rattling um but for the most most of the time i just grab one of my tellies because like you know that's what i like to play but I do have some P90s guitars and some humbucker stuff just to make sure it's all good. But yeah, then Chris tests stuff too. And, some, and he'll grab, he'll like have to go and test like a whole pallet full of like amp pedals. <laughs> so he'll, he'll spend like a long time, like crafting the perfect loop in the timeline pedal. Cause he's like, he's like, we're going to be listening to it a lot. So it better be good. <laughs> like, and then sometimes like it's the next day. You get you get you come the next day and he turns it on. There's that loop again. <laughs> so so yeah, that's funny. I don't know. I I like testing um, the amps with uh, like a guitar with uh, like noise canceling pickup if I can do it because I just I'm so sensitive to the any weird hums and noises and stuff. But you know, like if I use a Strat and you have an amp in a chassis cradle that's just like wide open like it's just going to pick up so much noise you, you got to know if it's the amp or if it's the guitar or right because i really try to get things to be really quiescent i guess like at idle when it, when there's nothing plugged into the amp at all it should just be like it's not even on um that, that's the goal so most of my job is like building the amps playing them putting them together playing them out of the cabinet and then just quiet, letting them sit there quietly for like hours and hours and hours and just listening for random noises that may or may not occur. <laughs> right. That's, Cause that's like the sound of something going wrong as it's heating up, you know, like I don't like burn them off, burn them in with a dummy load. Like I see a lot of amp companies do where they just like run it with a signal for like 24 hours and do a dummy load. I, I have them all set up at once, like in their combos um, or plugged into speaker cabinets. So I can just listen to them quietly, get hotter and hotter and hotter. Cause that's usually when things start to break. It's, you know, just as they get warm. It's four hours in and when it's like a million degrees, that's like, when something <laughs> happens. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah, the tube, yeah, yeah. the tube death thunderstorm sound. And then I'll be like, okay, like that tube's no good. Pull it out quietly listen to it again <laughs> like i people always are like oh it must be so loud and i'm like actually like a it's a super quiet like the building guitar amps is, is loud for like two seconds and then it's like super quiet because we're just listening to the things like quietly all day while we're you know doing other tasks that makes i mean that makes a lot of sense and uh no it's very cool that things have been like you said been pushed a little bit before they go out so so you know as soon as someone doesn't you know go so practice or a gig it just you know yeah. there's gonna be no issue to, yeah it's know. all good until ups like you know they get their hands on it i've had customers <laughs> be like yeah they you know I, I they threw your amp like over the fence oh it's my like, god oh, okay. and they're like it's okay it's, it's fine i was like okay good <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's so many videos now how to box box or amplifiers and things like that because of these these maniacs in the mail, mail yeah, service. Yeah, I know. It's, I actually got one. 
I think it was like in December. It was one of our walnut cabinets. And I don't know what the heck happened to it. It was just shipping from to like a local dealer. Like it was a one day, like wasn't even going that far. And somehow this thing took such an impact that it like ripped the dovetails of the walnut cabinet apart, which is not easy to do. That's crazy. <laughs> like, yeah. That, it like, it crazy. actually, the, the, um, like the, the, I don't know, like the wood grain like separated, like, so the glue was still stuck together, but it like ripped the board apart, like in the middle, like a solid, oh. like a solid walnut. I was like, how the heck, what do they like throw this thing off a building? Like, I don't even know how that's even possible, but they, yep, they found a way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's a video on some camera somewhere of what happened. Uh, yeah. Some, something they were like, oops, they like back the truck over it. Yeah, something's out there somewhere. Oh man, yeah, and I love uh, the you know the milk theme. I see some of your packaging here. Like you have the foam that's like with the milk milk bottle cut oh, out yeah. over the the amp. Those are nice little touches. Very cool. Yeah, the milk bottle with the lightning bolt. Um, my friend Max like designed that, and I, I like that. I, I like that. We do. We try to keep it you know, like old school dairy, like, like some of the logos and stuff look like the tops of the milk bottles from ages ago. You know, the glass milk bottles had the mm -hmm. tops on them with a little sticker. So that's kind of the direction of that. Very cool, man. But yeah, that's a, a, more than being complimented by John Mayer about the sound of my amps. He, he, I, he complimented me on the fonts of the amps, which I thought I was like, okay, now, now we're getting into some serious compliments because like I take the fonts of guitar amps, like are a thing that drive me crazy. And I, we like dote over these things to make sure like everything is like perfect. And like the design, especially the amp pedal, like we were, we were going for like the kind of brawn minimalist thing. And like, when you're that minimal, like you better pick the right font and, size knob and everything and you know so th that was like the best compliment like he could have said the amp was terrible but it you know had great fonts <laughs> i would have still been okay been, still would have been a win that's awesome man that's awesome yeah i mean like i said the aesthetic is is very tight and very cool uh you know it's got that fender flavor but honestly with all with all these awesome you know, ways you've moved around here with the, with the single channel, uh, the headroom that everybody, that I think Leo was trying to get for a long time. Uh, and you know, such cool combinations of speakers sizes. And again, the weight man, which all of us love a light amplifier that is loud and you're bringing it all in style. So very much appreciate it, dude. Um, so is there, what can we look forward to man in the future? I know you were saying some wild designs. Oh, uh, well, yeah. So we're the custom cabinet designs are going to be, I mean, I can't spill too many of the beans here, but we have new products coming out this year that we were supposed to have come out last year, but we just couldn't get the supplies. So this, you know, kind of a log, you know, because of, I usually do like one thing every 18 months or something. So, but since I couldn't do anything for so long, like we're going to have a couple of new releases. I have a new kind of series of hand-wired amps coming out. Um, and it's kind of collaboration with Brian Sowers from Sour Sound Transformers. And we've been working on this particular thing for a while. And he also like totally knocked it out of the park and I'm super excited about it. Um, so that's one thing. And then uh, another amp pedal variation that is going to be pretty sweet too. That 
hopefully this summer. That sounds very exciting, dude. Yeah, I'm I'm excited, man. I'm I love new stuff. <laughs> you, know, you know why I love it? Is because you don't like I built like so many creamers and I can do it like in my sleep, but when there's a new thing, like I I still I get to like do it all over again, like figure out the best way to like do everything. It's like it's like being a chef or something. It's like, you know, you come up with your new recipe and be like, okay, now how do I do it? this many times and when after you do it like 25 times you're so much better at it than the first time you did it and i like i like that kind of i don't know like brain thing that happens with your like hands and your brain and everything just clicks and you have like a you know another skill so i'm i'm into that you know that's why i like doing all this custom stuff too because someone will have some crazy like i just made this thing called the that we got called the double wobble <laughs> just <No>. some <laughs> you saw it on Instagram, but it's like this guy in, I think he's in Nashville. He wanted, he has a wet dry rig and he wanted harmonic tremolo across the wet dry rig, but he wanted each side to be in sync with each other. So basically like, you know, the same tremolo on both sides, but also separate. So he can run them one with reverb, one without. And then he had all these other like, things that he wanted me to do and i was like this is crazy let's do it like two harmonic tremolos in one head like with so and the picture it's funny because it's just like two little knobs and like all the way off to the side and then it's just blank space on the face there's like nothing there it's just harmonic tremolo speed and depth but oh yeah it was such <laughs> a like now. <laughs> yeah such a head scratcher but the guy got it and he was so excited he's like you did it it works it's perfect like great because it took me like a week (laughs) but it was like i love doing that kind of stuff because you know building creamers and half pints and stuff like you know i don't really get to dig into like a custom project all the time right right so people can reach out uh and you know and and uh, talk about some custom projects yeah we don't go too crazy you know don't don't hit me with the homer simpson car we're not going to do that. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. Like no effects loops and whatever and all that crazy stuff that, you know, I, I'm, I'm my friend. Uh, I don't know if you know, Creston Lee from Creston electric, the guitar builder, but he had this kind of thing. He had like a FAQ on his website a long time ago. And it was really funny. He's like, the customer isn't always right. It's like, yeah, thank you. Thank you for saying that. <laughs> you're right. Sometimes they want things and you, you know that they don't want it. And Creston is, has this thing about he's like you're gonna want a bigsby and i'm gonna try and talk you out of it and sure enough i wanted a bigsby on one of the guitars you built me and i I wish you talked me out of it because you can't use a bigsby on a telly like without making it ugly and putting like a locking tuners and or locking a lock nut or whatever so i have this awesome looking telly with a bigsby that i like never touch the bigsby but sometimes i do oh man Sometimes I <laughs> I'm do. I'm sure it looks cool. It does look cool, yeah. and I'll use the Bigsby, and I'll just be like, "Well, it's just out of tune. No big deal." <laughs> the double wobble sounds right up your alley. I mean, it's tremolo exclusive here. Yeah, that is like the most like tremolo tremliest of tremolos I've ever made. <laughs> yeah. Two harmonic tremolos. It was, uh, and yeah, it was you know, it was fun. It was fun, you know. Uh, testing that one too so i was like all right i guess i gotta set two amps up and have harmonic tremolo in both of them and we're just gonna have a big old loud harmonic tremolo party 
again, I, I appreciate uh, the fact that you're doing this all yourself, man. And, and there's such a large amount of output. So I, uh, I thank you for all uh, your engineering uh, feats here. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Look and sound great, dude. Uh, and you. I have to thank you so much again for coming on the show. Really appreciate you taking the time. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. And that concludes this week's edition of our interview series here at Sonic Artifacts. Remember to please hit the subscribe button on your favorite streaming platform and tune in Tuesdays for our weekly series featuring the best deals in affordable vintage music equipment across America. You can follow all the deals on our Instagram at Sonic underscore Artifacts and become a Sonic supporter over at Patreon. This is your host, Brian Chalemi, signing off from Manhattan, and we will see you guys on Tuesday where we announce the raffle winner of Artifacts Pedals. Mountain face, folks. We'll see you there. Have a great weekend.